Hello, everyone, and welcome to CSID's Firewall Chats podcast. I'm your host, Cody Grudler with CSID, and joining me is my co-host and colleague, Morgan Gravy. Hi, everyone. This podcast is brought to you by CSID. If you or someone you know has identity theft protection or has been a victim of a breach and received similar services, there's a really good chance that we helped power that product. We're the leading provider of global identity protection and fraud detection technologies for businesses, their employees, and consumers. In our Firewall Chats podcast series, we're spending some time talking with key thinkers in this industry about their unique experiences and insights. For those of you who have listened before, welcome back. And we hope that you're enjoying the series and that you've learned more about the cybersecurity issues that are putting our identities and our personal data at risk. We always welcome your feedback about the content we've shared and what you'd like to hear more of next episode or in future episodes. So give us a shout on Twitter at Firewall Chats and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Firewall Chats. And we'd love to hear from you and answer your questions. And we, again, thank you so much for listening to our series. So let's dive right into today's chat. We've all heard about the Internet of Things, but what about the security of the Internet of Things? Connecting our devices makes life way more convenient, and that's always great. But what are some of the broader security concerns that we need to think about as we delve into this world? Today, we've got a very special guest with us to talk about this issue, CSID's own Adam Tyler, our Chief Innovation Officer. Here at CSID, Adam leads the charge to promote innovation and technology, including product development, service offerings, and data. And he has a fantastic British accent to boot. Hi, Adam. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, to all your listeners, apologies for the English accent. I, uh, I know it usually goes down well, but you must be <laughs> hearing us after a certain amount of time. But it's an absolute pleasure, and it's a great topic. So thank you for inviting me to speak. Well, it's our pleasure. And to start us off, can you tell us a little bit more about sort of what you do at CSID? Certainly. So my big focus at CSID is really investigating understanding the underground communities. CSID has spent a huge amount of time building up our insight into these digital dark areas of the internet. And this is where all the malicious activity occurs, both the trading and distribution of credentials, but more importantly, also the discussion and development of new forms of attacks. So new forms of exploits, new infrastructure which is being targeted. So what's very interesting is the underground ecosystem is a bit like the real world. You never have a stagnant community. Everyone is constantly evolving, constantly coming up with new methods of attack. As the security industry comes up with mechanisms to protect their customers, so too do the underground elements come up with new methods of attack to bypass these security implementations. It's our job at CSID to have insight and knowledge of what's coming around the corner so we can ensure all of our customers are protected to the best extent possible. So today, obviously, the Internet of Things is a perfect example of both the evolution in the real world as well as the underground world. And the Internet of Things really highlights some of the issues that we're seeing as more and more devices are coming online. Okay, so for those who have been living under a rock for the past couple of years, can you explain what the Internet of Things is and why it's garnered so much attention lately? 
The Internet of Things is an incredible concept, and it's something which has really come about over the past few years. And what it really describes is become, having more and more of our household devices and external appliances connected up to the Internet. So traditionally, the only devices which we had connected up to the Internet were our PCs. Then as smartphones and tablets started to become more widely available, we started adding that to our device repository. Nowadays, what we're seeing is a big push to connect all of the devices in our home to the Internet. And the reason for that is really usability. It's about accessibility. It's about making the whole of our homes connected and manageable remotely. If we have a look at smartphones, tablets, all of these devices, the big focus has always been making our data more accessible, being able to access our bank accounts on the move, or being able to monitor how much we're using on our mobile phones, or even pay our gas bill. The thinking which is currently going on is that that's great, and it's allowed us a huge amount of power over our day-to-day -day lives. But the industry has decided that we want more, that to be able to control those physical devices within our lives remotely would give us even more power power to save on bills, power to ensure the lights are off, power to basically connect our physical and digital worlds together. And that's what the Internet of Things really is. It's about taking our traditional physical devices, our lights, our fridges, everything that we have basically built and used over the past 50 to 100 years and make those remotely accessible and manageable from an external location. Yeah, Adam, and just to sort of add some depth and breadth to that, to what you're saying, there are already 10 billion things connected to the Internet, and most people expect this number to grow substantially. Um, you know, just to throw out another stat there, there's there's kind of, a, you know, an opportunity for, you know, revenue generation with this Internet of Things because... I think it was Intel that estimated that its global worth could be as much as about $6.2 trillion by 2025. So, you know, it's a big opportunity when it comes to, you know, making money. We've also seen some huge organizations get behind the Internet of Things mentality. Apple recently has started to push their own Internet of Things standards. Home Hub, I believe it's called, which allows individuals to manage their devices their physical devices, their lights, their heating systems, all through their digital phones. So you've got some incredibly large entities out there which are heavily pushing these standards. And if we have a look back over the past few years, we've seen systems like Philips Hue light bulbs, which were one of the first major IoT light bulb devices that allowed consumers to control and manage their lighting their bedroom lighting, living room, whatever else, from their smartphone, either in the house or remotely. So there's a huge amount of interest and focus going on in creating these accessible devices. The only issue is, is that there's not that much understanding or focus on the security and how to secure these devices from outside malicious activity. Speaking to that, um, we've seen some news around IoT recently that's pretty alarming, particularly the fact that hackers have been able to hack into connected vehicles like Jeep, even Tesla, through their entertainment systems. We've also heard concerns around hacked medical devices and 
With all this noise around the IoT, can you help us separate fact from fiction here? Yeah, in other words, what are the things we actually have a right to fret about? It's very interesting because the Internet of Things is, again, a very, very new thing. It's something which is really still being pushed out, developed. Most people don't have connected homes nowadays. So it's still something which only affects a minimal percentage of the world. But as more and more individuals, more and more companies start pushing this technology, it will become more of a prevalent issue. If we have a look at the traditional IoT and connected devices, so first of all, let's have a look at the smart car world. The smart car world has had huge issues recently. As you discussed yourself, Jeep, Tesla, other car manufacturers, which we are not allowed to publicly discuss, have had huge issues in the implementation of their security services. And the problem here is that everything is being based around technologies, computers, ARM architecture or Intel architecture. And the truth of the matter is, is that these products being designed with functionality first rather than security first. But guys creating and implementing these services are focusing mainly on how the consumers interact with them rather than how they can be physically or remotely attacked or manipulated by outside parties. So in the car industry, we've seen a huge, huge increase in the understanding and focus of security issues over the past few months, ever since DEFCON and other similar research, which has highlighted the huge number of holes in these systems. Now, the big problem is, is that whatever we put online, whatever systems we create, there will always be holes There will always be issues. There will always be mechanisms to attack those devices. The human race has never created a system which is 100% foolproof and secure. It's impossible. These devices are being created by humans. So therefore, human mistakes are inherently built into these technologies and these devices. What we need to understand is the Internet of Things is incredible. It's very, very useful for any device which we're connecting to the Internet and making available to the outside world can be accessed, can be pinned, can be targeted by a malicious actor. And that's why certainly in the car world, there's a, there's a huge focus on ensuring that all of the relevant car systems such as brakes, throttle, anything which actually affects the car driving should be on a completely separated system. There should be no interaction available from the online systems. Yes, connect your digital dashboard, connect your your music player online, but ensure that all of the functionality which affects the driving process is completely segregated from that internet network. Yeah, because it becomes really more of a safety issue than even a security issue at that point. Exactly. I mean, and this is a very important thing about Internet Things. Yes, it's great to have the transparency and the availability of this data, but we need to ensure that accessing that data, utilizing those devices remotely, isn't done um, in a way in which is compromising user security, be it their physical security or their digital security. If we take a step back and take a look at internet-controlled lights or fridges, then the big issue there is that, again, they're identifiable, they're accessible, they're listable by search engines and multiple online search portals, like Shodan is a perfect example. 
these devices, if they're accessible, can be manipulated, can be poked and prodded by outside entities. And it may not seem a huge risk, but we've got to understand that every single device that we add to our network, what we're really doing is we're expanding the potential points of compromise. Imagine it like a car, where a car has four doors, but those four doors all have different locks on them. If we have a car with eight doors with eight locks, then that's more points of access into the car. The more devices that we're adding onto our network, the more holes or the more locations which can be accessed or compromised, we're making available to the outside world. And that's a huge issue because our fridge may not hold any confidential data. But if our fridge can be hacked into and utilized as a jumping point into our internal network, the compromise of the fridge can lead to a compromise of our actual secure devices, things like our laptops, things like our mobile phones, areas where we're storing information which is, in, which is incredibly confidential and incredibly personal. Well, to play devil's advocate a bit, you mentioned connected refrigerators. I mean, what's the big deal there? Am I really in danger if my fridge is hacked? Well, this is the interesting thing. It's not your fridge being hacked. It's not your data on your fridge which you're worried about losing access to. It's about someone getting access to your fridge. Because, again, you may have a bedroom in your house that you have nothing of value in. That's just used as storage. If you leave the window open in that bedroom and someone manages to get into the house via that window, they can then access all the other rooms in your house. And it's the same with Internet of Things. We may not classify a fridge as being or holding valuable data or having value or interest to an external attacker. But the truth of the matter is, is that fridge can be seen more as a point of entry than a point of valuable data. Sure, and we're seeing more and more connected devices coming to market every day. And, you know, as we continue to expand our own webs of connectivity, does it make it more difficult from a security perspective? Definitely. And one of the biggest issues from a security perspective is that everyone is using different standards. Everyone is using different languages to control and to update these devices. There is no standardized Internet of Things communication protocol yet. And that's a huge problem because you may have six or seven devices in your house which are all speaking different languages, which all have different security holes or security exploits. So again, it's a bit like the Windows Apple issue. You know to update your Windows machine, but because you've got an Apple, you also have to update your Apple machines. For laptops, it's quite easy to update them. But if you have light bulbs, if you have your fridge, most individuals aren't going to understand or have the technical capabilities to actually protect, secure, or update those devices. So that's a huge concern. It's not just the fact that they're connected. It's the fact that once they're connected, once they allow you to access that content via the internet or any remote location, we need to make sure that they're up to date, that they're secure. And most users, as we've seen with the Windows world, won't update their devices for either fear of messing them up or a lack of education as to the fact that they need to update them. Most people, when they get a fridge, they stick it in their house and they forget about it. If your fridge is a connected fridge, which requires updates every six months to stop your house from being hacked into, 
then it's a huge, huge problem because all those people purchasing the devices, the majority of them won't even understand that issue or that need to keep up to date with security. Sure. And just sort of thinking about that web of vulnerability that's expanding, you know, that's sort of daunting when it comes to actually securing that and and ensuring that risk is minimized as much as possible. Can you speak to some of the major roadblocks that security professionals like yourself are facing when it comes to securing the IoT? Certainly. So one of the biggest problems is understanding what is connected. Sometimes you go into an organization and they're not even aware of some of the connected devices that they have within their offices. So it's about organizations and individuals to understand, first and foremost, what is out there, what is within their infrastructure. All of these devices are speaking different languages. They're all communicating in different ways. So it's a bit like having a network made from a thousand different devices. Again, if you buy a car, you should buy it from a dealership. Um, your Ford or similar device, if you have a problem with it, you take it to the dealership and they fix it. With the Internet of Things, you have hundreds of different devices from different manufacturers. And as a security professional, keeping up to date on the exploits, the updates, and the mechanisms to secure all those wide range of different devices from different manufacturers is a huge problem, is something which takes a lot of time, a lot yeah. of effort, and a lot of technical knowledge on the part of the user. So with this in mind, are we completely out of luck? <laughs> <laughs> or are there some steps we can take to protect this information in the era of the IoT? I think the most important thing we need to focus on is education and awareness. Individuals need to be educated as to what these connected devices mean what the consequences are of connecting these devices online. They shouldn't just be sold on, you can turn your lights on from the other side of the world. They should also be explained the possible consequences and damages of implementing these technologies. So Adam, tell us more about what that means from a consumer and business perspective, from an education standpoint. From an education standpoint, it means about having a global standard that people understand that people can follow one location which can ensure that individuals are aware of the latest security updates and the latest mechanisms that bad guys are using. So from a consumer perspective, it's very, very difficult because obviously consumers want the latest technology. They want the latest gadgets. They want their life to be as convenient and accessible as possible. At the same time, like I've discussed before, they need to understand the risks and they need to be they need to have in place a mechanism that allows easy updating and securing of those software or those hardware devices. From a business perspective, it's even more worrying. We saw Target obviously being compromised through um, an external party which was responsible for managing the HVAC systems. We've seen SCADA exploits, and SCADA are basically physical devices such as manufacturing plants, such as temperature gauges. These are devices which have traditionally been used in the, the manufacturing industry for a long time. If we have a look at the Stuxnet compromise, the Stuxnet malware sample, which was distributed four or five years ago, that utilizes SCADA vulnerability, a vulnerability in that IoT device to effectively manipulate and crash a nuclear power plant. 
We see wow. those same kind of attacks. And that is what the Internet of Things are, is. It's essentially an expansion from a focusing on SCADA-based devices to more and more consumer devices being implemented in offices and home locations. SCADA, we've seen for years, SCADA has traditionally been an access and attack point for large organizations. But what we've seen with the growth of IoT, the Internet of Things, is those same attack methodologies, those same attack vectors being utilized against smaller businesses and consumers all around the world. It sounds like the IoT landscape and the security landscape is changing every day. Um, What do you see as some of the emerging trends as far as the future of this space goes? Yeah, tell us something good. (laughs) Ah. I think the emerging trend has to be uh, a globally agreed specification and control protocol. It's a bit like HTTP. It's a bit like TCP. If you have a standard in place, then everyone can get behind it. And if there is an issue in any device, then everyone can patch it at the same time. All the time that individuals and companies are using their own in-house protocols, secured through security via obscurity, then we're creating huge confusion, huge problems. I see companies like Apple, Google, and others getting behind global specifications, which make IoT safer or at least more manageable and accessible and understandable as well. The interesting thing will be how the IoT landscape expands further. And if any companies are thinking about removing connected accessibility for some devices, We've seen a lot of press recently about medical devices. And again, this follows on from the point I made recently about any device effectively being an access point into a corporate or consumer network. We've seen x-ray machines. We've seen scanners. We've seen all of these medical devices being connected up to the Internet. They're not updated. They're not managed by the IT team. So effectively, they're out-of-date devices which have just sat there, allowing anyone on the outside world to pin them and utilize them to gain access to other, more interesting devices internally. So the IoT landscape is going to continue to expand. My worry is that that expansion needs to occur in a structured way in which everyone is behind the same standards, that everyone can get on board. So if there are any issues, everyone can resolve them at the same time. My, my view as well is that some devices are going to become less connected. The medical devices, the devices which we may never need to access remotely, my view is these are going to be segregated and have the internet connectivity removed. The reason being is that they are too risky. The possibility of them being compromised and utilized to exploit a network completely outweighs the benefit of having them connected to the internet in the first place. And that's what we have to do. We are living in a world where technology is more accessible, both from a price point and a size point. We have chips and devices which are smaller than we've ever seen before that can be implemented into anything. But we always need to weigh up that very fine line between accessibility and risk of compromise. Sure, and I know, you know, that that discussion about convenience versus security is just a common theme that we're always going to run into with with some of these discussions about IoT and um, you know, it's something we'll actually touch on next week and in, in next week's episode as well. 
So, Adam, thank you so much for sharing your insights on this interesting topic with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we all go home and look at our Nest devices more skeptically? <laughs> I, I think the important thing to understand, from a consumer's perspective, perspective, certainly, is that we need to understand the technology we're putting in our households. We need to understand what we're putting in our family homes. Webcams, connected webcams, have been another example of IoT devices gone wrong. Connected webcams being hacked into and remote viewers being able to look into your child's bedrooms or your driveway or your living room. We need to understand what technology we're putting in our households and ensuring that for the safety of ourselves, the safety of our data, and more importantly, the safety of our families, we know what it does, how it's secured, and we can ensure that there are no ways in which fraudulent individuals can manipulate or misuse it cause us or our families damage. Sure, it's just, you know, be aware and, and think about what you're putting out in the world and what what risks you're exposing yourself to when you use some of these cool new products. Exactly, and CSID is an incredible position that we see so many new exploits, so many new methods of attack. Obviously, the recent iOS compromises through Xcode Ghost and the other malicious samples which have been distributed routinely CSID was aware of those before the public were even notified. So it's about having a provider, having a source of information, be that a company, be that a friend, be that your child, that understands these issues and can make sure that you're up to date and you're protected at all times. Because most individuals won't be aware of the problems, the concerns, or the security issues until they themselves have been damaged or compromised in some way. Sure. Definitely. I think security sometimes is the furthest thing from our minds. But like you said, it's until something happens that we actually realize the effects. Exactly. I mean, security is like backup. No one does backup until they lose their 15 years of photos, documents, tax returns, and then spend the next six months running around in a hectic, um, hectic rage. The same as with security. Everyone treats security as a secondary issue, something to think about tomorrow. So the truth of the matter is, is that security has to be focused on. Individuals need to understand that security is something that should come first, not as a secondary fault. Because if a security issue does occur to an end user, then it could have devastating consequences to both themselves, their data, and anyone else in their household. Thank you, Adam. Thank you so much for sharing those thoughts and um, for the great conversation today about IoT. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Next time on our final episode of this season of Firewall Chats, we're going to be sitting down with Adam Dolby of NCAP to talk about how hackers are using comfort zones and blind spots to attack companies and consumers. So you don't want to miss that one. We're going to be sending the season off um, right. So thanks again for your time today, everyone. And if you like what you hear, check us out on our social media platforms at Firewall Chats on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Firewall Chats. And drop us a line. Let us know if you have any questions or if there's anything else you'd like us to talk about. And we're looking forward to being with you again next week. Thanks, guys.